0: Well, the wait is finally over, and Joe Biden gives the press conference that may actually end all press conferences. Not because he gave some sort of tremendous performance here, it's just that nobody wants to see this, and we actually see that the President of the United States is in some sort of cognitive decline. But don't worry, every leftist on Twitter can come out and yell, But what about all the times that Trump was in cognitive decline? So we'll talk a bit about what actually did happen up on that stage and what everybody saw with that. In other news, Brian Kemp signs a law which the left comes out and says is curbing voting rights for the people of Georgia. So we'll talk a bit about what that is, what that means, and what's going on with that. Bernie Sanders hopes to reshape a rigged tax system. And a Southwest Airlines pilot says what we're all thinking every time we leave California. I'm Jay Edgar, and this is Contemporary. So, when you look at news every day, as I do, every single day you get up and you think to yourself, my goodness, this couldn't get any dumber. And then somehow it manages to get dumber and dumber and dumber. Although I'm kind of proud of this pilot here that I have at the end of the show that we're going to talk about with the Southwest thing because... He said what he thought and he faced the consequences for it, but he said what the rest of us are thinking as well. So it's going to be all this and more. We're going to spend, I'm not going to lie to you, the majority of the time today talking about this press conference here. And if Mad Cow Mark shows up, by the way, I want to let him know that I took his advice and we are going to read from Sky News out of Australia. So it's going to be all that and more. Plus, if you are lurking today, make sure you get those messages in there because I take the time and I read everybody's chat every day. I don't always read it on the air, but I do go back at the end of the day. I read everything you guys are saying because it helps me shape the show. It helps me to know what's important to you guys. But I also write everybody's name down so I can give you a special thank you at the end of the day on Friday, and today is Friday. So we'll be giving you that special thank you as well today at the end of the show. So stay tuned for that and make sure you get your messages in. If your messages are sufficiently stupid, or bigoted for that matter, They might get red on the air because, hey, that might raise the intellectual level of this program. So it's going to be all that more. Let's get into all the news here, starting on the finance. The Dow came back throughout the day. It kind of fell off and started to climb Mm, probably a little bit before Biden gave his big speech here. But there are some other things that are going on with that. So... I mean, we're not sitting at record highs right now, but it did climb throughout the day and it looks like the futures are going to be up a little bit as well. So we'll see what's happening with that. At looking at Bitcoin, which was down at 51,000 US dollars yesterday, Bitcoin rises to 53,213 US dollars. A little lower than I thought it was going to get to at this point, but we're going to see what happens with the volatility in the market, what happens with the markets themselves and where people place their trust, whether it's the government, whether it's private entities, and who's going to ban it who's not. So we'll continue to watch that. Gas Buddy out of Madison. Our 1249 station in Columbus yesterday was a fluke. And now everybody's back down, hovering around that 253 mark. We've got 253s all across the board in Madison, Wisconsin. Is your gas prices right now. Alright, let's see what the investors have to say, starting with Investors Business Daily today. Dow Jones futures rise after market rally, but techs fall as treasury yields rebound. GM Facebook lead 11 stocks to watch. From Ed Carson. Dow Jones futures and S&P 500 futures rose Friday morning, while NASDAQ futures turned lower as the 10-year treasury yield rebounded. The stock market rally has a wild session on Thursday, with the major indices undercutting more support levels before rebounding to close higher. The Federal Reserve said big financial firms such as JP Morgan Chase and Bank of America can start buybacks and dividend hikes in June 30th, assuming they pass the latest round of stress tests. Previously, the Fed had said those higher shareholder returns could start in the first quarter, but JPM stock and Bank of America were slightly higher early Friday, so they can start to artificially inflate their uh, stock prices and hold up the market. Investors should be looking for stocks that are holding up well in the current market with a strong fundamental or at least strong earnings outlooks. The stock market rally is about as much fun as a spinal tap, so here are 11 stocks for your watch list. ASML, General Motors, Facebook, Scott's miracle Grow, gardening season is coming. I can't argue with that one. I don't use miracle Grow, but I know a lot of people do. Ubiquity, Disney, Target, Lowe's, Mosaic, Deer, because farming season's coming, and ArcelorMittal. GM stock and ArcelorMittal are on the IBD leaderboard. Stock, ASML stock and Scott's Miracle Grow are on the IBD 50. I have to wonder, because I've never heard of this company. Is this like the, the other side of ASMR? You know, when they get up to the microphone and and try to get you to have some sort of reaction off of this. I've seen that stuff on Twitch and it's weird. It is weird. ASML stock is on the watch list for IBD long-term leaders. Deer stock is on the IBD Big Cap 20. Lowe's is the IBD stock of the day. NEO said Friday that it would suspend factory production for five days starting on March 29th, citing the chip shortage that is plaguing the auto industry. It now expects to deliver 19,500 vehicles in the first quarter down from its prior target of 20,000 to 20,500 Tesla this week raised made in China Model Y prices with speculation that chip shortages or other production issue was limiting supply. In early trading, NEO stock tumbled while Tesla tilted lower. Tesla is likely to release global production and deliveries for the first quarter late next week. NEO will likely report March deliveries in late next week as well. On the futures, Dow futures rose a half a percent versus fair value. S&P 500 futures advanced just shy of a quarter percent, and NASDAQ 100 futures fell 0.6%, reversing modest gains. The 10-year Treasury yield rose to 1.68% after pulling back over several sessions from pandemic highs, which means inflation, by the way. Crude oil uh, futures rose on concerns that the Suez Canal will remain blocked for weeks. Yeah, that's another big one, too, and I have... with the 30 tabs that I have up here, because we had to talk about Beijing fucking Biden and all of his stumbling words, which I've got a lot of room to talk because I stumble over my words all the time. But with all the stuff that we had to talk about there, I couldn't even talk about the fact that that, yeah, that's still blocked right now. And a lot of people are also pointing out the fact that the ship that's blocked in Suez Canal, apparently while it was sailing, drew a dick in the waters and then went on to get stuck in the Suez Canal. So that's actually going to start to affect some of our uh, economic prices as well. It's something to watch. Remember, overnight action in Dow Futures and elsewhere doesn't necessarily translate into actual trading in the next regular stock market session. Alright. Let's see what CNBC has to say. Oh, now they're going to start to reference the symbols that they use in the article. That's fun. Dow climbs 199 points in late-day rebound, led by stocks benefiting from reopening. From Ewan Lee and Thomas Frank U.S. stocks staged a late-day comeback on Thursday boosted by economic comeback plays as the market rebounded from a two-day losing streak. The S&P 500 closed a half a percent higher at 3909.52, wiping out a 0.9% intraday loss. The Dow Jones Industrial Average gained 199.42 points or 0.6% to 32.619.48 after losing as much as 348 points. The Nasdaq Composite also eked out a 0.1% gain to close at 12.977.68 as some major technology stocks reversed losses. Tesla rose 1.6% while Apple closed in the green. Stocks that are tied to a successful economic reopening, such as airlines and cruise line operators, led the intraday rebound. American Airlines and United gained more than 4% each, while Norwegian Cruise Lines and Carnival both rose over 2%, Boeing climbed 3.3%. The market experienced some weakness earlier in the day as Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell hinted at a one day starting to remove the stimulus that has boosted the market during the pandemic. As we make substantial further progress toward our goals, we'll gradually roll back the amount of treasuries and mortgage-backed securities we've bought. Powell told NPR's Morning Edition, we will gradually over time, rather, and with great transparency, yeah, that's something we see out of this administration, when the economy has all but fully recovered, we will be pulling back the support we provided during emergency times. Thursday's moves paired major averages week-to-date losses. The S&P 500 and the Dow are now down less than 0.1% each after hitting their record highs last week. The Nasdaq underperformed with a 1.8% loss this week. So we'll see where the numbers go throughout the rest of the day and see where they land on the week. Investors poured over a better than expected reading on the weekly jobless claims. The Labor Department said the first-time claims for unemployment insurance totaled 684,000 for the week ended March 20th, lower than an estimate of 735,000 from economists surveyed by Dow Jones. I can't believe losing over a half a million jobs a week is still uh, is considered to be good news at this point. It's better than it was last week. Still The signs of strength from today's jobless claims read may actually have a perverse effect on the broader market, said Mike Loengard, Managing Director of Investment Strategy at E-Trade, meaning that if we continue to see the labor market make strides, this could translate into pressure on equities and the Fed to reassess its accommodative stance. So that's what we're seeing from the markets here. Make sure that you are checking on where your retirement is at this point because it's going to go up, it's going to go down, and you've got to You've got to be paying attention to that stuff. All right. Let's get into the big news of the day. We will start today with NPR. 200 million shots in 100 days. Biden issues new vaccination goal. That's going to be the big start of the news today because we're going to be talking a lot about what happened. In this Biden press conference, this is from Domenico Montanaro and Alana Wise. And remember, NPR needs your money. They need your donations. They've got the donation tab right on the top. So make sure that you can hold them afloat so they can continue to tell you what is the most progressive thing in the world today. President Biden is doubling his original COVID-19 vaccination goal to 200 million shots in the arms by his 100th day in office, which is just over a month away. When he entered office, Biden said his goal was 100 million vaccine doses in 100 days. Hey, you guys all go out there and make sure you get your uh, vaccines out there, because Biden wants to make his goal. A target many observers thought was not ambitious enough, according to the federal health officials, that 100 million figure was hit on Biden's 58th day in office. Almost 2.5 million vaccine doses are being administered every day in the U.S. He detailed his new goal Thursday during the first news conference of his presidency. Biden is also sticking to the goal of having major K-8 through schools open full-time, in-person, five days a week. By that same 100-day mark, so far he said roughly half of them are open.
1: Help is here, Biden said. Hope is on the way. Hope, hope and change. Is Isn't that what that well-dressed black dude said? hope and change. Maybe I can make that part of my platform. Am I allowed to do that?
0: When it comes to the influx of migrants at the southern U.S. border, Biden said the Pentagon is making 500,000 sorry, 5,000 beds available at Fort Bliss in El Paso, Texas to increase capacity. He blamed the Trump administration for decreasing capacity and said his administration is building back up the system that, he said, should have been maintained and built upon, but that the former president dismantled. There's so much wrong with that statement. The Biden administration has changed policy from the Trump hardline action of refusing to admit unaccompanied minors during the pandemic. Biden has defended taking that action, saying what former President Trump did broke from prior practice of past presidents and was essentially inhumane. I'm not going to do it. Biden said, of potentially deporting children who come to the border by themselves. I'm not going to do it. He stressed that a parent's decision to send their child to the U.S. unaccompanied on a dangerous journey shows desperation with their circumstances. I would go as far as child abuse. Biden has assigned Vice President Harris to head up uh, efforts to work with Mexico and Central American countries to stem the flow of migrants. A solution to the immigration situation at the southern border has been elusive through Congress. When asked whether he would back eliminating or weakening the filibuster to facilitate his agenda, he delivered a potential threat. If Republicans continue to make it a requirement for 60 votes to proceed to an up or down vote, we'll have to go beyond what we're talking about, he said obliquely. Biden has in the past signaled openness to dismantling the filibuster if Republican opposition refuses to relent. Biden also reiterated that he is in favor of bringing back the talking filibuster, making it necessary for senators who want to hold up legislation to hold the Senate floor and speak. Asked about gun violence following the two high-profile mass shootings in the past week, Biden pivoted and said his next push will be on infrastructure. That's something, he said, he will announce in more detail Wednesday in Pittsburgh. I thought that was going to be Biden voice, sorry. It's, it's a matter of timing, Biden said. His answer indicated that Biden, who in recent days urged lawmakers to pass firearm legislation, may not believe the political will is there now to pass substantive gun restrictions. Congress has been unable to pass strong gun legislation over the past 2 decades despite countless mass shootings at the time. Biden, who is 78 years old, said he plans to run for re-election in 2024. <laughs> <laughs> better focus on staying alive till 2024, Mr. Biden. That should be where you're paying attention to right now. My answer is yes, he said, noting later that it's his expectation. It's advantageous for a president to say he expects to seek re-election or he becomes a lame duck too quickly. Oh, those jokes write themselves. In other words, if a president says he's not going to run for re-election, Congress begins to look past that president's authority, reducing his political capital, of which he has none. There's so much in this story, and there's so much going on with this. And we've got so many other clips to go with this, too. I mean, right up till this USA Today one is all Biden. So let's power through this and see what they've got. I got one here from Politico. BIDEN MEETS THE PRESS, AND THE PANDEMIC DISAPPEARS. During the, uh, this is from Anita Kumar, by the way, during the first news conference of his presidency, Joe Biden was never asked about the issue that likely got him elected, and in all likelihood, will be the defining crisis of his time in office. Ah, no, when we go to war with Russia, North Korea, and China all at the same fucking time. That's probably going to be the defining crisis of his presidency. And Iran comes in and does something else to go along with that. Uh, I'm pretty sure that the coronavirus, the coming fucking coup, is not going to be the divine, uh, defining thing of his presidency. <clears throat> Over the course of 62 minutes on Thursday, the COVID-19 pandemic never arose except for in the president's remarks at the start of the event, touting the accomplishments his administration has made in the U.S.'s year-long fight. The absence of the issue from the news conference illustrates the degree to which a host of other challenges have begun to dominate Biden's time in office, a surge of migrants crossing the southern border, back-to-back mass shootings, and efforts to restrict voting in Republican state houses. Some Democrats were incensed that COVID never came up, but others, including Ron Klein, the White House Chief of Staff, publicly pushed the notion that the lack of discussion was merely a reflection of Biden's discipline in handling the pandemic.
1: I don't have to pay attention to that because my name's not Trump.
0: The president and his team have set expectations low and routinely cleared them all while trying to create a deliberate contrast with the chaos that defined the four years of Trump's presidency that was mostly caused by the mainstream media. When Biden emerged in the ornate East Room to address the media, he announced that he was doubling his vaccination goal from 100 million shots administered in 100 days to 200 million You better go back and thank the previous administration for that because of that early success. I know it's ambitious, twice our
1: original goal, but no other country in the world has come close to... What was I
0: saying? He said. From there, the pandemic was not mentioned again. So this is, I mean, this is indicative of what we're seeing in the world here because once... Once sleepy, creepy, Fox News has this. I mean, you knew it was going to be Fox News that was going to point this one out. Uh Uh-oh. Did I just lose connection? Oh, apparently I lost connection somewhere in this. Well, we got to keep going. I didn't even notice. Photos show Biden's cheat sheets during the first formal press conference. From Thomas Barabi. President Biden uh, referenced cheat sheets detailing key policy points and the identities of attending journalists when he conducted his first formal press conference of his presidency on Thursday. Throw some Fs up if we did lose the uh, stream for a moment. I didn't even see the uh, indicator pop up, so that's on me if it happened. Photos taken at the event showed Biden holding a card labeled Infrastructure with key statistics and talking points, One bullet point noted that China spends three times more on infrastructure in the U.S. In another photo, Biden was seen consulting a sheet of paper that appears to show the pictures and news outlets of journalists who attended the press conference. Some of the pictured reporters had circled numbers next to their images. Well, that's probably interesting to see. There's your infrastructure plan, by the way. For those of you uh, watching and not listening back on audio, There's the big picture book of all the journalists out there with numbers circled, which tells me that this was all a pre-selected thing and these people were pre-selected by their questions and some of them were going to get to answer and some of them weren't. We'll talk a bit about that a little bit later. Just 25 reporters were uh, permitted to attend the press conference. Oh, you don't say. Biden took a limited number of questions from a list of pre-selected reporters before leaving the podium. Fox News's Peter Doocy was not among the reporters who were uh, selected to ask a question. You don't say! Biden answered questions related to the ongoing crisis at the southern border, his views on calls to end the filibuster, and an array of other topics the president said he intends to run for re-election in 2024. Critics of the Biden administration have called on the administration officials to make Biden available to the press on a regular basis. (laughs) Yeah, that's going to happen. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki holds daily briefings. The use of note cards is not unprecedented at press conferences. No, any public speaker will tell you that, for the most part, many of them do use a note card when I was still doing solo videos. I had a note card. I always had note cards when I did solo videos. It's an acceptable thing to do. Now, what you're seeing on Contemporary in the Red Net Show, I will that's all off the cuff, and you can probably tell. But no, for especially for prepared remarks, note cards, that's definitely a go-to for public speakers. In November of 2019, Trump held a notebook with handwritten prompts during a press conference on testimony delivered at his first impeachment hearing. So, I don't know, and that's the thing. Now, note cards for a prepared remark, I can go with. For a press conference, that just tells me that this was all scripted and pre-planned to begin with here. Like, they had no intention on letting this guy go off the cuff or do anything or answer a question that hadn't been vetted by 25 White House officials. And Trump for his, his faults, and even Barack, too, for his faults. Both of them were in God forbid I'm actually going to compliment a fucking Bush, but even Bush too. The three of them were actually very good at going off the cuff with reporters. Trump usually did it with disastrous results and insults hurled at the reporters, but for the most part, they could go off the cuff and the reporters could blow up any any hardball question they had at him. And he would come back and say, you're fake news, okay, I'll answer your question. But I want you to know that you're working for China, you're fake news, and all my followers know that, okay. But still, he was able to come back off the script and do what it was that he needed to do. Bush could do this, Obama could do this, and the note cards thing just, mm, that does make me a little bit uneasy as to who's actually calling the shots over in the Biden White House. All right, let's watch a video clip. I haven't done that yet all right first from Moo Papa over on Twitter says who voted for this
2: so the best way to get something done if you if you hold near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to anyway <laughs> I'm we're waiting to get a lot done so the best...
0: you want to hear that again I want to hear that again.
2: Best way to get something done, if you, if you hold near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to. Anyway, I'm. We're going to get a lot done. So the-
0: you hold it near and dear to your heart, but we're going to get a lot done. Thought you guys would enjoy that. Let's keep going. Uh, from the Daily Wire, fact-checking Biden's disastrous first pe- uh, press conference. From Ian Haworth. Why the fuck am I watching this ad? Shut that up. On Thursday, after going his first two months in office without holding a press conference, the longest streak in modern U.S. history, Joe Biden finally answered questions from reporters in the White House. Biden first delivered a short speech celebrating his administration's achievements regarding COVID-19 before calling on pre-selected members of the press to field various questions. Both his speech and answers to questions from journalists were replete with falsehoods. Let's fact-check the president's first press conference since his inauguration in January of 20, uh, on January 20th. I am to the understanding that it's racist to fact-check a Democrat. You can only fact-check Republicans in real time. On CNN, Biden celebrates meeting his goal of 100 million vaccine doses administered on day 58. Early in his speech, Biden boasted that his administration had beaten his goal of administering 100 million doses of the ComiFaucinCo vaccine in the first 100 days of his presidency, claiming that this was achieved on day 58. Biden did indeed set the goal prior to entering office, after questioning whether Trump could ever deliver the vaccine and then undermining its safety and efficacy. It's important, however, to note that on entering office, 21.7 million doses of the vaccine had already been administered. So they say he's probably only at uh, just a little bit under 80K for his administration. I'm sorry, 80 million, not 80K. So he'll still get it, but we'll see here. Biden set second goal of 200 million shots in 100 days. Again, the mathematical reality of vaccine progress makes this almost certain and far from the ambitious goal Biden claimed. With 21.7 million doses administered by the time he'd entered office, and a further 178 million doses would need to be administered by the end of Biden's first 100 days in office, that's 1.78 million doses per day given the rolling seven-day average number of administered doses has been over 2 million per day. Since the beginning of March, over 133 million doses already administered and 36 days remaining until the 100 days mark. The average daily distribution of doses would have to fall well below the current average to miss this objective. I got a feeling it's going to get there at some point. Biden claims the American vaccine program is unprecedented and that no other country has come close to doing what we are doing. This is only if you truly, I'm sorry, this is only true if you cherry-pick specific statistics and ignore other central factors such as population size. In terms of the number of doses administered, the U.S. does indeed lead the world with over 130 million doses, administered compared to 82 million in China, over 53 million in India, and over 31 million in the U.K. However, the U.S. has a large population, and if we analyze these figures based on population size, the U.S. is actually far behind multiple other developed countries. Looking at doses administered per 100 people, the U.S. is behind Israel, 111 doses per 100 people. Seychelles. 98, the UAE, 79, Chile, 48, the UK, 47, Monaco, 47, Bahrain, 44, and Maldives, 41. That's still kind of a cherry pick, I'm not going to lie. Biden has claimed that he set a goal to open a majority of K-8 schools in the first 100 days. Biden is continuing to walk back this claim, diluting his earlier promise to open schools now, saying that This just applies to K-8 through age group. In early December, Biden said, It should be a national priority to get our kids back in school and
1: keep them in school. They gotta be indoctrinated. Their parents are seeing their homework. We can't have that shit. If Congress provides the funding, we need to protect students, educators, and staff. If states and cities put strong public health measures in place, we will all follow. Then my team will work to see the majority of our schools can be open by the end of my first 100 days.
0: All right, there's that. Biden claims that migration increases during winter months were worse under Trump. Biden compared the rate of increase in persons attempting to cross the border in 2021 and 2019 in an apparent attempt to deflect criticism for the ongoing border crisis, saying there has been a 28% increase between January and February of 2021, compared to 31% increase during the same period in 2019. While this is true, it ignores the fact that the starting point is far higher under Biden in 2019. 58,317 people attempted to cross the border in January, and 76,545 attempted to cross the border in February, a 31% increase. In January of 2021, however, 78,442 people attempted to cross the border, with that number increasing 28% to 100,441 in February. In this context, 30 4.5% more people attempted to cross the border under the Biden administration than the Trump administration in January of 2021, compared to 2019, and 31.2% more people attempted to cross the border under Biden than Trump in February. Alright, we're going to keep going. I'm not going to go all the way through this entire list here, but it is available in the Daily Wire if you guys want to go and check that out. we got to keep going. i got another tweet here for you with some video. Biden just called on at Yamish from his hand-picked list of reporters who proceeded to ask one of the most embarrassing partisan questions I've ever seen. Let's listen.
3: Thanks so much, Mr. Yamich. Thanks so much, Mr. President. Um, you've said over and over again that Immigrants shouldn't come to this country right now. This isn't the time to come. That message is not being received. Instead, the perception of you that got you elected as a moral, decent man is the reason why a lot of immigrants are coming to this country and entrusting you with unaccompanied minors. How do you resolve that tension? And how are you choosing which families can stay and which can go, given the fact that even though with Title 42, there are some families that are staying? And is there a timeline for when we won't be seeing these overcrowded facilities with run by cpb when it comes to unaccompanied minors
2: well look i guess i should be flattered people are coming because i'm the nice guy that's the reason why it's happening uh, that i'm a decent man or however it's phrased that you know that's why they're coming because you no know, biden's a good guy you mean
1: i know biden's a good guy i wonder how they smell
0: all right let's read from the blaze Twitter torches PBS journalist over her question on the border crisis to President Biden at first media briefing. Yamish should be hired as the DNC press secretary from Carlos Garcia. Yamish Alcindor, the White House correspondent for PBS, faced a torrent of backlash after she tossed softball questions to President Biden at the first official media briefing of his presidency on Thursday. Al Sindor pressured Biden to allow more illegal immigrants into the country while telling him that migrants are coming to the border because of the perception that he was a moral, decent man during the election. Uh, You said over and over again that immigrants shouldn't come to this country right now. This isn't the time to come. That message is not being received. Instead, the perceptions of you that got you elected as a moral, decent man... Hunter... is the reason a lot of immigrants are coming to this country and entrusting you with unaccompanied minors, said Alcindor. This is fucking gross. How do you resolve the tension, and how are you choosing what families can stay and what families can go, given the fact that even though with Title 42 there are some families that are staying, she continued, and is there a timeline for when we won't be seeing the overcrowded facilities run by CPD when it comes to unaccompanied minors? Yeah, we just watched that video. Biden disagreed with Alcindor and claimed that the increases in child migrant crossings at the border were due to several fluctuations, or seasonal fluctuations. Yeah, we just talked about that too. While the interaction was more combative than most recognized, many on Twitter pounced on Alcindor for saying Biden was elected because of the perception that he was a moral, decent man. Fancy that! Reporter number two... Yamich was already standing up, ready to ask her board a question. When Biden randomly called out her name, she tells him that he is a decent man. He agrees and s- says people think he's a good guy, tweeted Miranda Devine of Fox News. Biden just called on Yamiche from his hand-picked list of reporters who proceeded to ask one of the most embarrassing partisan questions I've ever seen, said Caleb Hull. Yamiche Allendore is a partisan liar. She's a terrible person, responded Ryan Saavedra of the Daily Wire. Holy shit, these people are worth a North Korea state TV, tweeted Benny Johnson. Yamish should be hired as the DNC press secretary, tweeted former Trump aide Mercedes Schlapp. Yeah, that was pretty well a... Mr. President, how wonderful is it that you're president? How amazing is the world now that you're president? Have the clouds parted, have the rain stopped, and have rainbows come down and touched you, Mr. President? So, that was very well received there. I've got one here from Sky News, which I don't see Matt Cow Mark in the chat today, but he has been pushing me to use Sky News, and I found this one here. I thought that uh, you guys would like to see. Gaff Machine, Biden. I came to the U.S. Senate 120 years ago. It appears that Sky News does not give an author. Not a long article, either. Self-proclaimed gaff machine, President Biden, did not fail to deliver during his first press conference since taking office, declaring he came to the U.S. Senate 120 years ago. He also noticeably lost his train of thought while speaking about how he can get things done in the Senate. Yeah, we watched that one. Let's listen.
2: With regard to the filibuster, I believe we should go back to a position of the filibuster that existed just when I came to the United States Senate 120 years ago.
1: Let's go back to the, the filibuster we had when I came to the
0: Senate 120 years ago. Well, that might be right, actually. All right, let's keep going off of that. Breaking nine one one on Twitter, Biden has an overall goal, and I don't criticize. I'm China rather has an overall goal, and I don't criticize their goal.
2: They have an overall goal to become the leading country in the world, the wealthiest country in the world, and the most powerful country in the world. China has an overall goal, and I don't criticize him for the goal.
1: Hey, man, I don't criticize my son's employer. I'm going to send him so many jobs, too. uh, Those jobs weren't supposed to come back.
0: All right, I got another one here. RNC Research. Biden concedes that he's purposefully waiting to provide transparency at the border. Let's listen to that.
3: Given the conditions that were just laid out at the migrant facilities at the U.S. border, will you commit to allowing journalists to have access to the facilities that are overcrowded moving forward?
2: I will commit when my plan very shortly is underway to let you have access to not just them but to other facilities as well.
3: Be able to have access to the facilities. We've obviously been allowed to be inside one, but we haven't seen the facilities in which children are packed together to really give the American people a chance to see that. Will you commit to transparency on this issue? I will Mr. commit President?
2: to transparency. And as soon as I am in a position to be able to implement what we're doing right now. I and mean, one of the reasons I haven't gone down, I have all my my chief folks have gone down is I don't want to become the issue. I don't want to be, you know, bringing all the secret service and everybody w- with me to get in the way. So this is being set up and you'll have full access to everything once we get this thing moving.
3: Okay. Just to be clear, how soon will that be, Mr. President?
2: I don't know. To be clear,
0: I don't know. Yeah, that's a complete non-answer off of this. And, I mean, the journalists should be able to go in there. And Biden, this whole thing. Well, I don't want to make it all about me, so I don't want to go and
1: visit this. I don't want to see what my shitty policies have done. Because, you know, the Secret Service and
0: everything to get down there. What a fucking crock of shit. Go down there, see what you've got going on, and see what, you know, you're supposed to be this pious, great leader. Then go down there and fucking lead. But I suspect that you have no idea what the hell is going on, and nobody expects you to. Alright, let's read one here from Reuters. Biden says China won't surpass U.S. as a global leader on his watch. From Jared Renshaw, Andrea Shalal, and Michael Martina. U.S. President Joe Biden on Thursday said he would prevent China from passing the U.S. to become the most powerful country in the world vowing to invest heavily to ensure America prevails in the race between the world's two largest countries. Boy, this sounds like a call to war. Biden said he had spent hours upon hours with Xi Jinping when he served as vice president under former President Barack Hussein Oh, and he was convinced the Chinese president believed autocracy, not democracy, held the key to the future. The Democratic president said he had made it clear to Xi that the U.S. was not looking for confrontation, but would insist that China abide by international rules for fair competition and fair trade and respect for human rights. China has an overall goal
1: to become the leading country in the world, the wealthiest country in the world.
0: I don't know if they have that goal. I think they have the goal to have the wealthiest premier in the uh, the world but I don't think they have the goal to be the wealthiest country in the world. The most powerful country in the world, he told reporters at
1: the White House. That's not going to happen on my watch because the U.S. is going to continue to grow.
0: Never mind those jobs that I just sent to Mexico. Biden took aim at Xi and the Russian uh, President Vladimir Putin for embracing autocracy. He's one of the guys like Putin. You
1: know, he's an evil dude. He's a killer. Who thinks that autocracy is the way of the
0: future and democracy can't function in an over-complex world? The president told his first news conference since taking office in January. Earlier in March, Biden told ABC News that he believed Putin was a killer, which sparked fury in Moscow. He, and I mean she,
1: doesn't have a Democratic with a small d bone in his body. But he's a smart smart guy
0: and then bill clinton looked over from this from the press conference and said i'll give him a democratic bone in his body don't hurt me hillary and of course he's not going to sit back and criticize his son's employer why would he his son might lose his job all right This bizarre exchange, this is what we're gonna close this out on. So I've got this and I've got an article from USA Today talking about this. Uh, From Forbes though. Biden first press conference. President Biden's uh, response to some state GOP voting law initiatives. This makes Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle. Yes, he actually said that.
2: Okay, hang on a second here. Kristen, uh, Nancy, CBS
3: thank you very much mr president i want to go back to voting rights and as yamish mentioned republican legislatures across the country are working to pass bills that would restrict voting particularly democrats fear impacting minority voters and young voters the very people who helped to get you elected in november are you worried that if you don't manage to pass voting rights legislation that your party is going to lose seats and possibly lose control of the house and the senate in 2022
2: what i'm worried about is how un-american this whole initiative is it's sick it's sick deciding in some states that you cannot bring water to people standing in line waiting to vote deciding that You're going to end voting at five o'clock when working people are just getting off work, deciding that there will be no absentee ballots under the most rigid circumstances? It's all designed, and I'm going to spend my time doing three things. One, trying to figure out how to pass the legislation passed by the House, number one. Number two, educating the American public, the Republican voters I know, find this despicable republican voters the folks out in the outside this white house i'm not talking about the the elected officials i'm talking about voters voters and so i'm convinced that we'll be able to stop this because it is the most pernicious thing this makes jim crow look like jim eagle i mean this is gigantic what they're trying to do and it cannot be sustained. I'm going to do everything in my power, along with my friends in the House and the Senate, to keep that from, uh, from becoming the law.
3: Is there anything else you can do about it besides passing legislation?
2: The answer is yes, but I'm not going to lay out a strategy in front of the whole world and you now.
0: So, yes, first and foremost, he's going to go around the Constitution, around Article 2, Section 1, to make sure that his legislation is passed. That's that's number one that he's going to come out and try to do. Because the House legislation,
1: I got I, I, I to get that passed, man. But it, it's just...
0: He says stupid shit. J- Jim Crow looked like Jim Eagle. Ugh. There's so much here. All right, let's keep going. This is Archive from the USA Today. It's sick! Biden slams Republican efforts in state legislatures to limit voting rights. From Joey Garrison and Deborah Barfield-Berry. I've been out alone in the woods before, and I don't remember having, you know, voting ever helping me while I was out alone in the woods. If you ever want to know what your rights are, Go out into the woods alone with no supplies. What you still have are your rights. Everything else is a privilege. An impassioned President Biden on Thursday condemned efforts in Republican-led state legislatures to pass bills, making access to the ballot box more difficult, calling it all by design to suppress voters. What I'm worried about
1: is how un-American this whole initiative is, man.
0: Biden said during his first White House press conference. It's sick. It's sick. Biden singled out some of the most draconian of the more uh, than 253 bills introduced in 43 states that would restrict access to voting, the tally is according to the nonpartisan Brennan Center for Justice. Nonpartisan. Which is tracking the legislation.
1: Deciding in some states that you cannot bring water to people, standing in line waiting to vote, Biden said. Deciding that you're going to end voting at 5 o'clock when working people are just getting off work. Deciding there will be no absentee ballots under the most rigid circumstances. It's all by design.
0: The Republican Efforts are inspired largely by former President Trump's false claims of widespread voter fraud in the election loss to Biden. Some bills filed in several states would reduce early voting hours, roll back absentee voting, and end voting on Sundays. Democrats have alleged the legislation is aimed foremost at suppressing voters of color because, of course, it is. Biden predicted the effort will be stopped because it's
1: it's the most... What's that word again? Oh, pernicious, what's that mean? Okay, I'll just say it. It's the most pernicious thing. This makes Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle, he said. I mean, this is gigantic, what they're trying to do, and it cannot be
0: sustained. As his top priority to stop the sweeping changes at the state level, Biden pointed to a passage of the Voting Rights Bill, H.R. 1, the For the People Act, which passed the Democrat-controlled House, but awaits Senate approval. Good fucking luck. It faces an uphill battle, however, to pass the evenly split Senate, where it would need 60 votes to defeat a potential filibuster by Republicans that's led some Democrats to push for change in the Senate's rules to abolish the filibuster, allowing voting rights and election legislation to pass with a simple majority, and get slapped back down by the Supreme Court. So, that's what we saw from this conference here. There was a lot of stuff there. I'm probably going to have more clips for the Red Net Show. Because there was so much. I haven't watched the full conference yet either. Full disclosure. I pretty much worked from the time I woke up yesterday to the time I went to bed yesterday. So I've been able to pick some clips like this and talk about what we saw with those. But I'm actually going to sit down and watch the entire thing beginning to end. And see how much worse it actually is than just what the pundits are saying. Because I guarantee you it's worse. But we do have a bunch of other stuff to get to today. So let's get moving down into that. Starting from Axios, Georgia Governor signs law curbing voting access. From Shauna Chen. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp signed a sweeping GOP-sponsored overhaul of the state's election law on Thursday. The first battleground state to pass such a law in the aftermath of the 2020 election, Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds already signed a bill into law scaling back early voting in the state. Republican efforts to change voting laws in Georgia followed record-breaking turnouts that led to Democratic victories in the presidential contest and two U.S. Senate runoffs in the once reliably red state, the AP writes. Joe Biden won the state only slightly more, I'm sorry, by only slightly more than 12,000 votes in the 2020 presidential election. The new law includes measures that cut the time period voters have to request absentee ballots and impose new identification requirements. Make it easier for state officials to take over local election boards. Limit the use of ballot drop boxes. See, I don't care for this. Because the local level knows its constituents better than the state level does, just the same way the state knows its constituents better than uh, the federal government does. So, I'm not a fan of this one. Limit the use of ballot drop boxes. Allow challenges to voting eligibility. Criminalize any who attempt to approach voters in line, even if to give them food and water. Now, see, this is one of those things where they're going to try to change the message for you. Because they want to say that it's criminal to go and bring somebody food and water. However, one of the things that they consistently talk about over on the left side of it is voter intimidation, voter intimidation. You're going to have somebody come up in line and tell you that uh, that you ha- you got to vote a certain way, otherwise something bad might happen to you. That's this voter intimidation. You don't know what the person is going up to you in line, is intending. You don't know what the intents are, and since most of the time the voting happens in some sort of government building, you're usually disarmed while you're waiting in line, too, keep that in mind. So even, yes, if they're going to give them food and water, even if they're doing that, you don't know what that guy's doing when he comes up here. You don't know if he's going up there to try, if he's got food in his hand to come out and get close and say, hey, you better fucking vote the way that I want you to or something bad might happen. I, I hope you don't like your kneecaps that much. Replaced the elected Secretary of State as the chair of the state election board with a new appointee of the, uh, of the legislature after Republican Secretary of State Brad Raffensberger rebuffed the former president's attempts to overturn Georgia's election results, the AP writes. Few are more important than the law I signed moments ago, which ensures Georgia's elections are secure, accessible, and fair, Kemp said at a press conference on Thursday. We got rid of the evil orange, man, so now we can have neocons for the rest of fucking time. It's like the Christmas tree of goodies for voter suppression, Democratic uh, State Senator Jen Jordan said on the Senate floor on Thursday per CNN. Some lawmakers argue restrictions will boost election integrity, despite no evidence of widespread fraud in the 2020 election. That's a tired old fucking line at this point, but yes, at this point, um... Brian Kemp has signed these new laws into place in Georgia. It's looking like, like some other states are stepping this up because of all the oversight that we saw from this election, where nothing bad happened and everything was completely above board. Honk. But in line with this, I've got one from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Georgia representative arrested after Governor signs elections bill. In Atlanta, Representative Park Cannon is placed into the back of Georgia State Capitol patrol car after being arrested by Georgia State Troopers on Day 38 of the legislative session at the Georgia State Capitol building in Atlanta Thursday. Georgia State Troopers arrested Representative Park Cannon on Thursday as she knocked on Brian Kemp's door, interrupting his livestream announcement that he had signed the elections bill into law. The officers forcibly removed Cannon, a Democrat from Atlanta, dragging her through the Capitol and pushing her into a police car. She was charged with obstruction of law enforcement and disrupting the General Assembly sessions, according to the Georgia State Patrol, and released on bond late on Thursday. It's weird. It's almost like they're holding the same standard that the FBI held to anybody who went into the Capitol on January 6th. Cannon was with several other protesters when she knocked on Kemp's office door, saying the public should be allowed to witness the announcement of the bill signing, the sweeping legislation requires ID for absentee ballots, limits drop boxes, and changes early voting hours. Tamara Stevens, an activist who was with Cannon, said she wasn't being disrespectful or causing a disturbance. Well, once again, if we hold the same standard that you guys all hold, the idiots that took selfies in the Capitol on January 6th, then that doesn't fucking matter. She knew he was signing a bill that would affect all Georgians. Why would he hide behind closed doors? This isn't a monarchy, Stephen said. You have a woman of color fighting for the rights of Georgians, and there comes the race card. And they arrested her for knocking on the door because she wanted to witness our governor sign the bill. George Bluestein tweets out, Why are you arresting her? This Facebook Live video from T Ware Stevens shows the moment authorities detained state rep Park Hinnan as Governor Kemp was behind those doors, signing election restrictions into law.
3: The governor is signing a bill that affects all Georgians. Why is he doing it in private and why is he trying to keep elected officials who are representing us exactly. out of the process? Exactly. I know you don't have any control over anything other than expressing people's right
2: to vote and using your guns and your abilities to talk to talk Yeah, you said you gave her one more time like you're going to do
3: something. Are you serious? No, you oh, are not no. representing. She's not under arrest. What for what? Under arrest? under arrest for what? Arrest? For trying you to you see something arrest? that our governor is you're doing. You're Why is he under our governor you're you're is signing arrest? a bill that affects all Georgians, Why and you're going to arrest an elected representative. Why does, Why does the governor have you're more power than the, than the than a representative? Why are you arresting her? That's what I'm asking. Stop arresting her. Why are you arresting her? Arresting sure. her. Why? Cite so Cite wrong? the violation. Cite the code. What is she in violation of? I want you to cite the code. Cite the code. Cite it. What are you, are you, you cite are you right? the code? Cite the code. Cite the code. Why are you arresting her? Under what? Under what? Under what are right you arresting Mills her? Video. Why are you arresting her? Why are you arresting her? Tell us now. Why are you arresting her? Cited. Give me a reason why you are arresting her. I'm... Arresting...
0: I'm a little shocked that that person didn't get arrested too for probably the same reason. And that's, I mean, that's exactly the same reason that they're citing for um, all those idiots with their selfie sticks taking pictures with the uh, Capitol Police in, in the Capitol on January 6th was the fact that they were obstructing a government process. That is one of the charges that's being handed down. I've seen, I have read one of the criminal complaints front to back. That's what they're trying to do. That's what they're trying to hit. So, you either have to acquit all those, dismiss all the charges against those capital fucking idiots, or you've got to arrest this chick. And probably the one that was taking the uh, video too, by the way. Cannon was charged with two counts taken to the Fulton County Jail after she refused repeated warnings to stop knocking on Kemp's office door, according to Georgia State Patrol. She was advised that she was disturbing what was going on inside, and if she did not stop, she would be placed under arrest, said GSP spokeswoman Lt. W. Mark Riley. Representative Cannon refused to stop knocking on the door. Court documents show that she was charged with knowingly and intentionally knocking on the governor's door, during a bill signing and stomping on Officer LT Langford's foot three times during the apprehension as she was being escorted out of the property. The accused continued kicking on LT Langford with her heels according to the arrest warrant. So yeah, that probably didn't do her any favors into this, but yeah. So there's that. Um, This is going to go through. We're going to see if we see other laws like this come out through. Like I said, we saw the one that's already going up in Iowa. I'm a little appalled by the fact that it took this long and took this much shit to shore up some of the elections, but here we are. All right, let's read one from CNN. So you remember the fact that, uh, I mean, you heard everything about the uh, the Asian shooter from Atlanta, Georgia. You heard everything about the boulder shooter up until they found out uh, where he was actually born and what his political views were. You heard everything about those. Well, here's one you probably didn't hear about. Also in Atlanta from CNN. Atlanta police detained man with six guns, body armor, in grocery store. From Jason Morris out of CNN. A man armed with a rifle entered in Atlanta Publix on Wednesday in Midtown a commercial and residential area in the city, police said. A witness saw the man entering the location openly carrying a rifle and entering the bathroom, and alerted the store manager and notified police according to a preliminary investigation. Officers immediately located and detained the man. During the investigation, officers recovered six firearms, two long guns and four pistols, and body armor, according to the Atlanta Police Department. When the male exited the bathroom, arriving units immediately detained him, according to the statement from the Atlanta police. Police identified the suspect as Rico Marley. He has been charged with reckless conduct and will be transported to the Fulton County Jail for further processing. The firearms, body armor, and property recovered during the investigation will be placed into APD evidence. Which means they'll be used by the APD next week. The incident comes just two days after a gunman killed 10 people at a supermarket in Boulder, Colorado, and just over a week since a shooter killed eight people at spas in the Atlanta area. Publix in 2019 joined a number of retailers who asked that customers not only uh, openly carry guns in their stores in states where open carry is legal. So, there's a couple things that go along with this. First off, you should not... Okay, let's back up to this. We'll look at the charge first. Um, He's being charged with reckless conduct. That I could see, based on everything that he did. Now I know a lot of people want, a lot of people who know about this, because this article kind of just went by the wayside and nobody said a word about it, but for those who know about it, a lot of people wanted to see this go even further, this guy get arrested for Attempting to shoot up, attempting to do something. And while I will admit that having six firearms and body armor and going immediately into the bathroom tells me that there's probably something else that was about to happen here, we don't process for pre-crime in this country. We don't. The left wants to start processing for pre-crime in this country, but we do not process for pre-crime in this country. It doesn't happen. Nobody knows what this guy intended to do except for this guy. Nobody knows what he had on his mind. Nobody knows what was inside this dude's head except for this dude. And he did not hurt anybody or take anybody's stuff. Now, as far as we go, because Publix has asked, and I don't know if it's posted. If it's posted, then he actually did break the break trespass law. If it is posted, then he trespassed because he went in carrying openly carrying a firearm. That is criminal trespass. I don't like it, but it is criminal trespass. So he did that. Um, If it's not posted, then he, you know, basically just scared some people and probably just get cut loose and maybe get a fine off of it. But yeah, there's another reason he didn't hear about this either. Now, you know, and you'll see a lot of people over on the right come out and say, well, he was definitely going in there. A lot of people, especially on the left, too, who did see this. Well, he was definitely going in there because he wanted to go start a mass shooting. Look at all the guns and body armor and all this shit and well, that may very well be, but we don't uh, we don't judge for pre pre-crime, pre-crime in this country. This may even be a little bit of an overcharge as well with reckless conduct. Throw him a trespass find and send him on his fucking way. But that's what we see out of Atlanta. All right, let's see, I've got one from, oh look, this is from Ron Helton's favorite uh, politicians website here. From Bloomberg, this is from Bloomberg Law. This came to me via Midget B over in the Discord. If you guys aren't in the Discord, head on in the Discord. It's linked in in the description below, or you can head on over to the Gilded as well, which is still a little bit slow right now. We're still trying to build membership over there and do the same thing. I've got a tab for this and both of there where you can put the articles in that you want me to investigate and discuss, and I will look into them. And if I can find something green, check verified to talk about with them, I will absolutely cover everything. But this is from Bloomberg Law. Federal bump stock ban blocked by divided appeals court. The federal ban on bump stocks, devices that increase the race of fire for semi-automatic weapons, is likely unlawful and must be put on hold... A divided Sixth Circuit set on Thursday. Bomb stocks harness a gun's recoil energy to rapidly move the firearm back and forth, bumping the shooter's stationary finger against the trigger in the wake of the 2017 Las Vegas mass shooting in which a gunman used semi-automatic rifles with bomb stocks killed 58 people. Excuse me. President Trump ordered the Justice Department to quickly ban all devices that turn legal weapons into machine guns. Federal law generally bans civilian ownership of machine guns, including any parts used to convert otherwise legal firearms into an illegal machine gun. It defines a machine gun as a weapon which fires automatically more than one shot without manual reloading by a single function of the trigger. That's technically not what a bump stock is, though. So, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and Explosives, which should be a convenience store, issued a rule reinterpreting the terms single function of the trigger and automatically to ban bump stocks. The group Gun Owners of America and others sued claiming the rule violated the Administrative Procedures Act and the Fifth Amendment's Takings Clause and the Fourteenth Amendment's Right to Due Process. A lower court should have granted the plaintiff's request for a preliminary injunction against the rule because they'll likely be able to prove that the bump stock ban is unlawful, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit said. So, yes, at this point your bump stock is absolutely 100% legal. Because it doesn't turn the action of the gun into something that can activate with a single pull of the trigger. Now, I'm not a big fan of bump stocks either way, but if you want to own one, if you want to waste a bunch of ammunition when 9mm is going sometimes for a dollar a fucking round, you do you. I can think of a lot better things to spend money on than a thousand five five six rounds that you can pump through your gun because of a bump stock in a few minutes. Which also horribly deplete your accuracy. You're not going to get that spread off a bump stock like you would, just holding your gun normally. I think bump stocks are stupid. But if you want one, you should be you should have the right to have one. If you think that's what what it takes to defend your property from threats both foreign and domestic, then absolutely have at it. I will mock you relentlessly for it. But I will never use the law to try and stop you from having it. All right, so that's what we have for that. I've gotten another one here from NPR. NPR's idol is up on the block here today to talk about what he feels is a horrific injustice. Senator Bernie Sanders' next progressive frontier, reshaping a rigged tax system. And the tax system is rigged because it doesn't allow for enough money to go to NPR. So you must donate your money to NPR so they can continue to shower the world with their communist ideas. Don't you want your kids to grow up in a communist paradise? This is from Kelsey Snell. Senate Budget Committee Chairman Bernie Sanders, Socialist Vermont, is turning the committee best known for writing budgets that never become law into a betting ground for progressive policy. Sanders views his new jurisdiction as a broad mandate that essentially in one way or another touches the lives of every American. In keeping with that vision, Sanders will introduce a pair of bills on Thursday to restore the corporate tax rate to 35% and add a new progressive tax on the estates of the wealthiest Americans. Which, by the way, that means that you're going to be paying those taxes. What we want to do is to use the committee to focus on the crises facing the working class of this country. The middle class of this country talk about issues like income and wealth inequality. Talk about the mass amounts of tax avoidance and tax breaks. That the very wealthiest people in this country talk about student debt. And talk about how much of it will cost us if we do not address the existential threat of climate change. Sanders said in an interview with NPR. In other words, look at the major issues facing our country and focus the spotlight on them. Sanders is introducing the bills, both of which face long odds in the closely divided Senate as part of a broader push for, to walk back tax cuts that were enacted under former President Donald Trump and go further in redistributing the tax burden to corporations and the wealthy. Basically, he's going to kill jobs. So, something to watch for on that. But don't worry, it's... It's a rigged, or it's, it's it's a rigged tax system. It is only there to benefit the upper one percent, but not the millionaires anymore. Because I, I am the millionaire, and I am the exception to the rule because I can keep my billions and my three ho- and my four houses and my summer camp in Vermont, because I I am leading the way. Okay. All right, let's keep going. From Politico, sources Secret Service inserted itself in the case of Hunter Biden's gun. From Tara Palmieri and Ben Schreckinger. On October 23, 2018, President Biden's son Hunter and daughter-in-law Haley were involved in a bizarre incident in which Haley took Hunter's gun and threw it in the trash behind a grocery store, only to return later to find it gone. Delaware police began investigating, concerned that the trash can was across from a high school and that the missing gun could be used in a crime, according to law enforcement officials, and a copy of the police report obtained by Politico. But a curious thing happened at the time. The Secret Service agents approached the owner of the store where Hunter bought the gun and asked him to take the paperwork involving the sale, according to two people, one of whom has first-hand knowledge of the episode, and the other was briefed by a Secret Service agent after the fact. The gun store owner refused to supply the paperwork, suspecting that the Secret Service officers wanted to hide Hunter's ownership of the missing gun in case it was to be involved in a crime, the two people said. The owner, Ron Palmieri, later turned over the papers to the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, and Explosives, which should be a convenience store, which oversees federal gun laws. The Secret Service says it has no record of its agents investigating the incident and Joe Biden, who was not under protection at the time, said through a spokesperson that he has no knowledge of any Secret Service involvement. Days later, the gun was returned by an older man who regularly rummages through the grocery store's trash to collect recyclable items, according to people familiar with the situation. The incident did not result in charges or arrests. But the alleged involvement of the Secret Service remains a mystery, one law enforcement official said at the time of the incident. Individual Secret Service agents at the agency's offices in Wilmington, Delaware and Philadelphia kept an informal hand at maintaining the former vice president's security, the person cited in an instance in 2019 when the Wilmington's Office of the Secret Service called the Delaware State Police to arrange the security for public appearance by Biden. The Secret Service declined to answer a question about whether it had informal involvement in Biden's security during his protocol. Asked whether the Secret Service requested state police security for Biden during the period when he was not under the agency's protection, a Delaware State Police spokesman said, I have reached out to our uh, surgeon who oversees the uh, Executive Protection Unit. With Delaware State Police, he is unaware of any such requests or services provided. So this uh, takes a big turn off of this now. Once again, all innocent until proven guilty, but the fact that the allegation out there does make you wonder, doesn't it? What could actually be hiding under the, uh, in the closets of these people as they continue to tell you what it is that you can and cannot do and continue to do the exact opposite? Hunter is going to be by, uh, Joe's worst enemy as we go through this. All right, I've got one from the Associated Press. Dominion Voting sues Fox for $1.6 billion over 2020 election claims. From Colleen Long. Ooh, that's running slow. Dominion Voting Systems on Friday filed a $1.6 billion defamation lawsuit against Fox News, arguing the cable company falsely claimed in an effort to boost faltering ratings that the voting company had rigged the 2020 election. It's the first defamation suit filed against a media outlet by the voting company, which was a target of misleading, false, and bizarre claims spread by President Trump and his allies in the aftermath of Trump's election loss to Joe Biden. Those claims helped spur on rioters who stormed—oh my god, this is propaganda off the top of this. So, the AP is just going to give you paragraph upon paragraph of the fact that Fox News and President Trump inspired the attack on the Capitol and that— The fact that they're going after Dominion is the reason that uh, the attack on the Capitol happened. Here's what you need to know. Dominion suing Fox News. All right, from the Sacramento Bee, troubling development for Newsom, California Latinos inclined to support recall poll fines. This comes after the fact that people are so confident in Newsom that they tell no Democrats to go back and try and run against him. In the wake of a pandemic that has devastated Latino communities in California, a new statewide poll finds that Latino voters are more likely to vote to recall Governor Newsom than white, Asian, and black voters. The Prabolsky Research Poll released this week found that 44.5% of Latino voters said they would vote for Newsom to be recalled from office, while 41% said they would vote no. About 14% were undef- uh, undecided. The poll Results offer a glimpse of Latino voters' attitudes towards the Democratic governor amid the coronavirus pandemic. Well, if this is true, and I don't know how much truth there is to this, but if this is true, then Newsom is fucked. And I find that funny. I really do. And I can't wait to see what happens with this. I mean, as I mentioned, that uh, the recall is not A short process. It's going to take some time. There are going to be campaigns. They're going to review the signatures. We've still got some time on this, but still looking definitely forward to watching this and seeing what happens from this. Let's keep going. i got just a few more. Then we will do live chat and head on out of here. From KTLA5, Oakland launches guaranteed income program to give low-income families $500 per month. From the AP, the mayor of Oakland on Tuesday, announced a privately funded program that will give low-income families of color $500 per month with no rules on how they spend it. The program is the latest experiment with a guaranteed income, an idea that giving poor people a set amount of money each month helps to ease the stresses of poverty that often lead to poor health while hindering their ability to find full-time work. The idea isn't new, but it's having a revival across the U.S. after some mayors launched small, temporary programs across the country, in a coordinated campaign to convince Congress to adopt a national guaranteed income program. The first program, launched in 2019 in Stockton, led by former mayor Michael Tubbs, Tubbs who founded the group's mayors for a guaranteed income, has said about six similar programs in other cities have been up and running by the summer. You know what the This is the best part of this. Half the spots are reserved for people who are below 138% of the federal poverty level, or about 30,000 per year for a family of three. Participants will be randomly selected from a pool of applicants who meet the eligibility requirements. Oakland's project is significant because it's one of the largest efforts in the U.S. so far, targeting up to 600 families. Here's the best part. And it's the first program to limit participation strictly to black, indigenous, and people of color communities. There it is. There it is. We're going to pay you to be black in our city and poor. Come on in. That is racist. That is racist. All right. We got to keep going. I got just a few more here. Uh, Grant over in the Discord brought this up here. Thanks, Joe. Thousands below uh, below $1,400 stimulus checks in Vegas after Nevada lifts restrictions and the strip roars back to life. The huge crowds that swarmed the Las Vegas strip on its first weekend after reopening had one message. Thanks, Joe. Well, you know what? The casino owners just got richer, so the stimulus just made the rich people richer if they went out and blew all that money in fucking Vegas. That's great. I love to see this here. Thousands of people descended on Sin City over the weekend after Nevada Governor Steve Sisolak relaxed his state's stay-at-home order to allow casinos, bars, and restaurants to reopen at 50% capacity. Many other revelers told DailyMail.com they had taken the opportunity to blow their $1,400 stimulus checks on a weekend of partying while hotels took advantage by hiking prices to pre-pandemic levels. On Saturday night, the Strat was offering rooms for $179 a night compared to the $50 during the summer, while the Cosmopolitan had hiked prices to $610 per night. Oh, you just made the rich people richer, Joe Biden. Paris, Las Vegas, which offered rooms last July for a bargain $55, was selling beds for $284 at neighboring Bellies. Uh, Stays shot up to $269, while drink prices were also hiked, with domestic dose Equis beers selling for 13 bucks a bottle. There you go. Good job. That is amazing. You just made the rich people richer. <laughs> I love that. Alright, uh, one that I don't know that a lot of people are paying attention to, but we got to talk a bit about it, because this goes on to the foreign theater thing. Iran missile hits Israeli-owned ship in Arabian Sea, TV says. From Gwen Ackerman. An Iranian missile struck an Israeli ship, tra- uh, sailing from Tanzania to India. Israel's Channel 12 said, without saying where it got the information or how Iran was implicated. It's the fourth time in about a month that the bitter enemies have traded allegations of attacks at sea and comes amid heightened tensions as Israel opposes U.S. President Joe Biden's efforts to rejoin the 2015 deal that limited Iran's nuclear activities. Israel's army spokesman didn't comment, and there was no response from XT management, the company Channel 12 cited as owning the Israeli ship. Officials in Iran, where a public holiday is being celebrated, couldn't be reached for comment. So, just want to briefly touch over this one here because, I mean, it's a cargo vessel, which means it's civilian, it's not military. Um, we have no confirmation that this has happened, but, you know, now that the sabers are going to get rattled, and something's going to happen out of this. We're looking at foreign theater left and right. We could be going to the Middle East, we could go be going to Southeast Asia... The world was starting to become a lot more peaceful under Trump. It wasn't a playground yet by any stretch of the imagination, but it was becoming more peaceful because a few people were afraid to make a step. And now they're coming up and they're deciding to have the bully pulpit. The mullahs, Kim Jong-un, Xi Jinping, none of them are afraid of Joe Biden. And Raytheon sits back here and counts dollars once again, so time will tell if this is actually something that happened, or if this was just something, some saber-rattling between the two countries, but definitely something to pay attention to here. I've got one from Fox News, because we've got to talk a little bit about the weather that happened in the southeast, starting with Alabama police officers struck by lightning in Florence, from Michael Ruiz. An Alabama police officer was struck by lightning in Florence Thursday afternoon, according to authorities. He was awake and alert at the North Alabama Medical Center, but had suffered burns, the Florence Police Department said. It happened at the intersection of Chisholm and Gresham Roads, the department said in a statement, and other officers who were present immediately rendered aid. They had been in the area deploying barricades amid a uh, flash flood warning expected to expire at 5.45 p.m. Central Time, authorities said. The National Weather Service had warned of an extraordinary chance of severe weather in the area for the day. So, yes, we see the line of weather that went through there, and we pray for the officer that he makes a full recovery. Looks like he's going to be just fine after this year. However, we also look to CNN at this point. At least five deaths reported in Alabama after tornado touches down from Judson Jones, Deccan and Doan, and Jamiel Lynch. At least five deaths and multiple injuries have been reported in Calhoun County, Alabama. After a tornado passed through the area on Thursday, County Sheriff Matthew Wade told CNN. F's in the chat for Calhoun County, Alabama. There's numerous homes damaged, numerous people injured, and at least five fatalities. Wade told CNN's Pamela Brown. We're worrying about a second storm that's coming through, possibly on the same track, Wade said. Fourteen tornadoes have been reported in Alabama on Thursday, according to the National Weather Service, along with one in Mississippi and one in Georgia. National Weather Service described a large tornado that touched down late Thursday near Newman, Georgia, just south of Atlanta, as a particularly dangerous situation and urged residents to take cover now. In Calhoun, three adults from the same family were killed when a tornado hit the town of Ohachi, about 60 miles northeast of Birmingham according to Calhoun County Coroner Pat Brown. One man in a mobile home in Ohachi also died, and the fifth death in the county was a woman in a mobile home in Wellington, according to the coroner. So, and just, there's devastating death. I mean, that's not a trailer home. That's, I think that's a brick house that got blown over. Landed on the pickup truck, and that is horrifying. I hope, well, it looks like that's the family, but... Yeah, that's you know, there's some of that going on there. That's uh that's definitely a, a pile of stuff. So F's in the chat for the people of Georgia and Alabama and Mississippi. And I hope that they don't get beat up too uh, badly by the next one that's coming through here. Alright. From San Francisco, CBS. Fuck this place. Southwest pilot launches expletive-filled tirade against liberal Bay Area on Hot mic. No author given. A Southwest Airlines pilot departing Mineta San Jose uh, International Airport has been reportedly caught on an open mic delivering an expletive-filled rant against the liberal Bay Area population, according to published reports. Aviation and Travel blog, One Mile at a Time, published the account of a Twitter user who posted air traffic control audio from March 13th. The person is heard saying his flight was ready to go, followed by a series of F-bomb insults. Fuck this place! Goddamn liberal fucks. Eight guns out here somewhere as it is. Fucking weirdos, probably driving around in fucking Hyundais, fucking roads, and shit that goes slow as fuck. The audio was archived at Live ATC, a website that live streams and records air traffic control transmissions. Will Lawton, the Twitter user cited by the blog, said in a Facebook post he is positive that the person heard in the audio is a Southwest pilot. I'm pretty positive based on the same voice at the end of the rant that says Southwest 531 ready to go, said Lawton, who indicates he is a pilot on his Facebook profile. A Southwest spokesperson told the San Francisco Chronicle that the person heard in the audio is an airline employee that is addressing the situation internally. Our corporate culture is based on a tenet of treating others with concern and dignity, and the comments are inconsistent with that professional behavior and overall respect that we require from our employees, the spokesperson said. Uh, told the Chronicle in a statement, the situation is an isolated incident involving a single employee and not representative of the nearly 60,000 hardworking, respectful people of Southwest Airlines. Yeah, like I said at the top of the show, I'm pretty sure that he just said what we all think about San Francisco. He just got caught. All right, last one here. Then we'll do the uh, live chat for the week. Because we weren't completely horrified by Joe Biden's speech. This is from People.com. Pepsi and Peeps have joined forces to create marshmallow soda. Guaranteed to be this spring's most polarizing beverage. From Shay Spence. Spring is in the air and Easter is just a week and a half away, which means we are well past due for an insane uh, new Peeps flavor, but this year they're making the splash in soda form. In the most unlikely collaboration, since Ed Sheeran and Andrea Bocelli, Peeps has partnered with Pepsi to create Marshmallow Cola, which comes in a three-pack, of cute little 7.5-ounce cans. Sadly, these won't be available on grocery store shelves this year, but fans can enter the sweepstakes to win some by hashtagging Hanging With My Peeps on their social media photos. More specifically, the prompt tells you to share photos enjoying your favorite springtime activities in a safe and socially distant manner, because why the fuck wouldn't they? The cans come in blue, pink, and yellow, although there's no difference in flavor. We got the first taste of the drink and can confirm that it does. In fact, tastes like marshmallows, with a flavor that's vaguely reminiscent of Lucky Charms. After what's been a very difficult year, many consumers are looking for new things to smile about, said Todd Kaplan, Pepsi's VP of Marketing. So, to celebrate the start of springtime, Pepsi collaborated with Peeps to develop a limited batch of its first-ever marshmallow cola. Look forward to enjoying that next year. I always thought that root beer tastes a little bit like marshmallows sometimes. But that's what we see. Marshmallow cola, peeps. And I love peeps. And I had to go back on the low carb thing because I was starting to gain weight like fucking crazy. But I have not had a single peep this year. And that, No, I take that back. I did get one pack when they first came out. I've had one pack of peeps this entire year which is unusual for me. And I kind of want some peeps right now. All right, that's going to be it for the day. The last thing that we do on Friday is thank everybody who chats in the live chat, so make sure you get those last-minute messages in if you are just lurking right now. Let's look back at the week, though, to start with. On Monday, we had Ron Helton, Chillaga 1984, Mad Cow Mark was here, Het Hattery, Het Het popped in over on Twitch, Wolf336, the already conservative, came in, and I think he hosted us too. Quest Fanning was here, and check you out. Rounded out our Monday. On Tuesday, we had Ron Helton, Chilaga 1984, Matt Calmark was here. Zekoff, C-Z-A-K-O-V, popped in for a second over on D-Live. Nephilim Ninja of Nibiru was here. And R-V. Wednesday brought us Ron Helton, Quest Fanning, Chilaga 1984, Nephilim Ninja of Nibiru. Mad Cow Mark was here in both of his accounts, I believe, on Wednesday. RV was here, and Saint rounded out our Wednesday yesterday. We had Ron Helton, Mad Cow Mark was here, Chilaga 1984, Quest Fanning. Chilled Ghost, who also appeared to be from outside of the country, but didn't answer as to where he was. Spartan0000Superior1 popped in, and Nephilim Ninja was here. What are you guys doing today? It's been a little bit of a slow day, but still. You guys are still very much appreciated. Whether you send one message or a thousand messages, you are still very much appreciated on this program. Quest is apparently asking if he's first. I believe Ron was over on Trovo first, but I had to reset uh, the live chat But So... By that, you might be first. Chilaka says, good Friday morning. Ron says, morning, news hounds. I like that, news hounds. Uh, Ron mixes his own. I think he's talking about fertilizer. Black cow is one of his favorite ingredients. I use, um, I can see the jar from here, but I can't, th- uh, Maxi, M-A-X-S-E-A. It's a seaweed-based, uh, oops, hang on. It is a seaweed-based fertilizer that, uh, it's it's all natural and they use it on hemp farms, but it's also the only thing that can really be effectively used on carnivorous plants that don't burn them out. So I use that. And it works really well in my crops too, by the way. Um, Ron Helton says, good morning to everybody. Uh, It was just pointed out to me that deer's market cap is larger than cat's. I was surprised to hear that. I'm not really surprised to hear that. Cat's having some problems right now. Could indicate problems in China. Cat construction equipment is big there. Yes, it is. Uh, talking about the uh, Suez Canal. Ron Helton says, Egypt is racing to free it. That's the latest news I read. Seriously, why are people still flying? They like being cattle in the air. I like flying. I just don't want to do it with 25 fucking masks on and with the possibility that the commie fucking coop is just getting run around through an internal HVAC system that's pressurized. No, thank you. Doesn't take that much longer to drive. Doesn't cost that much more either. Looks like an earth mover trying to free it. Yeah, that's going to be hilarious to see. I wonder if the Suez Canal debacle will affect Europe more directly than North America from the sol- supply chain standpoint. Yes, most definitely will. But that's also going to drive the oil prices up, especially with the Keystone shut down. How much of your s- supply of goods come from Asia and overland? A good amount of U.S. trade comes from across the Pacific. Yes, it does. Ron Hilton, Biden's cheat sheet, milk, butter, eggs, lotion for hairy legs. ha <laughs> ha. The automaton Biden is running for twenty twenty four sounds legit. Quest says, Ask her the Amy Coney Barrett What's on your note card? Hundred Chilaga says hundred twenty years, admitted vampire Joe Biden. Mad Cal Marcus here, but he missed the Sky News segment. I did use Sky News, like he recommended. Apparently I talked too fast to do uh Biden, but I know we've also got to get through stuff in a limited amount of time in the morning, so. Well, thank you, Chilaga. Chilaga says, Contemporary is number one, Sky News is number two. I like that. Ron says, Amazing, she doesn't even know the process she just participated in while voting against legislation. Another AOC. Ron says there's no requirement the governor has a public signing, only that once it hits his or her desk, they veto or sign it. Yeah, no, the pageantry that went along, too, with this administration and the previous one, and the one before that, too, by the way, is just, well, I'm, I'm making a law, and you guys have to accept it, and you have to love it, I'm
1: making it, pay attention to me.
0: Um, Ron says they need to have competency hearings. He belongs in a cage. I don't know who he's talking about. Another loon looking to shoot up someplace. There's no way he can claim he was carrying all those firearms into the store for protection. I understand that, but we don't do pre-crime in this country. We do not do pre-crime. Three lousy, uh, three round bursts with an M16 is lousy as well. Even worse with a protective mask over one's face. Just as with gun control, they're using more BS excuses to raise taxes. So sick of this mafia government at all levels. Quest Fanning says, court challenge, please. I believe he was talking about uh, Oakland. Ron's in here with the AOC sticker. Chilaga says, I saw someone say that it should be called Peepsy. Quest says, just want to mention we took delivery of our new American Subaru Outback. Money where my mouth is, buy American. Yeah, check your VIN. And that's one thing you can do easily and you know as a person who's been in the auto industry for as many years as i have i can tell you one thing that you can do if you want to buy american the easiest way to do that is check your van check your vehicle identification number now of course buying used you can't really go back and i've got a 2014 truck i can't really go back and claim that yeah i bought this and i bought it last year i bought this six years later it's supported by an american but um your first figure, the first whether letter or number on your bin, indicates the point of final assembly of your vehicle. If it's a 1, it was made in the USA. If it's a 2, it was made in Canada. If it was 3, it was made in Mexico. I believe K is for Korea, J is for Japan. Um, 4, I believe, is uh, Sweden, because that's where Volvo comes from. So yeah, that's and you can go online and you can actually look up and see what the rest of the characters are, but uh, those are the ones that I know right off the top of my head. 1, 2, and 3. U.S., Canada, Mexico. 4 for Sweden. K for Korea. J for Japan. I think W is Germany too, if it's German built. Like if it's a BMW or something. So that's one way that you can look and see if you are buying American or not. Uh, Chilaga says, I've been to the Subaru plant in Indiana. Very impressive. I've Never. I didn't even know there was one in Indiana. I might have to put that on my list of things to do. Quest says, sounds cool and thanks. Quest says, I visited Boeing in Washington State two years ago. Aerospace manufacturing is next level. Madcow Mark leaves us with a goodbye, and Quest leaves us leaves him with a goodbye, and I'm going to leave you with a goodbye as well, so let's throw some music up and we'll head on out of here, so... As of right now, I don't have any plans to do a weekend stream, but that actually might change because I haven't given you guys a Q&A, a live chat for a while, but the live chat's been slow again as well, so we might actually do that tomorrow. I'll think about it while I'm at work here. I do have to get out early because of hours, so definitely that, that might happen. We might do that, so look forward to that. Otherwise, we'll be back here on Monday for more contemporary talking about the news that happens over the weekend and I'm sure it's going to be a long one. Otherwise, we'll be back for the Red Net show on Monday night. We're going to talk about the new developments in the Atlanta shooting. We'll talk about the Boulder shooting that came up and went back down. And uh, this press conference, we're definitely going to talk about that. There's going to be a lot to go on, plus what's going on with the Chauvin trial. It's going to be a packed show coming up on Monday night as well, so looking forward to seeing you guys there. Plus, keep in mind that Monday starts the show of in trial proper, so that's probably going to be on the top of Contemporary as well. So lots of stuff to get to, lots of stuff to see, and we'll cover it all over here on Contemporary. Until then, I'm Jay Edgar, and this is Contemporary. Take care. Geschichte